0: This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura, precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. zacchino Weeks, Scully. It is our year in review series Part two, part one, we talked Canadians on tour, we talked Brooke Henderson, we broke down Tiger Woods, we took a shot at some of the new rules in the game of golf coming in in 19, but we didn't touch on any of the major championships, and that's going to be the majority of our focus today here in part two. And, uh, you know, we'll start obviously doing this chronologically, which is typically my favorite week of the year, Masters Week, in terms of my favorite broadcast, my favorite tournament, uh, a real special place near and dear to me because of my uh, former life and and what I used to do for a living in this industry. Mm -hmm. But I got to be honest with you guys looking back on 2018, and maybe this is, uh, you know, one of the first times I've ever said this. If I were breaking down the majors last year, it might have been my least favorite major, even with all the controversy Mm. at the U.S. Open, even with the USGA dropping the ball again, which we'll get into in today's show. From just, I don't know, the names on the leaderboard look so good potentially on Saturday and then what we got on Sunday and then You know, I guess golf's bad guy, Bob. If you need a villain, if you need a black hat, except this guy in the black hat chooses to wear red, which I find sometimes very obnoxious, Patrick Reed and, I don't know, just never gave us the roars on Sunday that we always are used to.
2: It was a flat finish for sure. Uh, It had the potential, I think, on Sunday morning to be great. You were expecting perhaps Rory and, and Patrick Reed to kind of go at it, but Rory never really delivered. Um, nobody really challenged Patrick Reed a little bit. The whole thing about Patrick Reed and his relationship with his family and the history in Augusta, uh, the city, not the golf course, uh, played into it. I've never been on the 18th green and I usually go up and watch the last putter, try to get there. It was so muted. It was just kind of like, okay, he won, (laughs) you know, there you go. Now there were some cool parts to it. I mean, there were some really neat things, uh, for instance, the Tony Finau on his oh. ankle. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the two parts to that story. One, the fact that it happened. And the second, that he finished top 10.
1: He shot 66 guys <laughs> on Sunday yeah. when the golf course was playing brutal. And he's doing it on what, like almost like a broken ankle. Almost. I remember we right.
2: ran a little interview with uh, with Dr. Stuart Love, who's his, his chiropractor, GP kind of guy, and, and was talking about how they fixed it all up and how they got him ready for it with some help from some orthopedic surgeons who were members at Augusta National and that whole story just boggled my mind because even the doctor said, you know, the pain threshold that this guy must have, even just to pop it back in when he did it, was was stunning. So there was some cool moments like that that developed over the week.
1: Uh, the yeah. leaderboard looked like this, Scully. Reed yep. wins at 15 under par. Fowler with the push from the rear. He started the day four back and ended up at 14 under, only losing by one. So another great Sunday for Ricky, but another day where he is the bridesmaid and not the bride. Mm-hmm. Which has just been the theme of his career, and how many times can he go through this, and how long do you go before the monkey's too big to rip off? Sergio did it, Phil mm-hmm. did it. A lot of guys have done it in recent years, but we all know the later this goes, the harder it is to rip for off. Sure. Spieth with a good Sunday, a huge push on Sunday. He just started too late. Started the day at 6-under, of the day 13-under, two back in a tie for third. got to go all the way down the leaderboard to Ma- Rory McElroy. 9-under Park. He started the day at 11-under. He was the closest chaser to Patrick Reed. Two off the pace to Reed's 13-under. Rory started the day at 11-under. He shoots two over par, nine under, finishes six back and gets waxed. A Sunday round of 74, trying to complete the career Grand Slam. Is Rory McIlroy's 74 on Sunday, the biggest disappointment of a Sunday round in a major golf championship in 2018?
3: It was certainly up there. I mean, it, the one comparison, or a comparison, I should say, Jordan Spieth Sunday at the Open Championship was, was uh, bizarre, to say the least. Some of the lines he took and uh, all the way up into a par five just didn't work out well for him. But, you know, for Rory McIlroy, it all started with that first tee shot. He, he basically yep. popped it up into the right trees where it's pretty hard to hit it that far right. A couple of missed short putts, one for birdie on the second hole, one for par on the third hole. And basically from there, like, he just didn't have it, and he could tell, and, and he's, he, he's had... Uh, stuff like that before at the Masters on a Sunday where he's just sort of blown it. And, uh, you know, I, I do think he'll win this at some point because when he's on top of his game, he's he's tough to beat. But it could be a tough mental hurdle to climb the next couple of years.
2: I think the one of the other disappointing rounds this year was Dustin Johnson's putting at the U.S. Oh, Open. Oh, yeah. I
1: mean, if he'd sunk especially two what, or three of them. Especially the way he put it on Thursday Friday.
2: He yeah. yeah. great, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was also really disappointing. But I still think I think you're right. I think... I think we had expectations of this battle down the stretch with with uh, Rory and and Patrick Reed, and um, again, you know, Rory just stumbles on Sunday at Augusta National. It's becoming a thing. If that's maybe in his head, who knows what's going on? But I just, I expected more of, of a of a. Explosions and roars and stuff.
3: Especially what happened on Saturday too, with with Rory fist pumping and Patrick Reed. They both had a couple chip ins, and Rory made a good put on eighteen. It was just in their history, right? Yeah, from the Ryder Cup. Yeah,
1: Jordan Spieth has, uh, as we're recording this, has fallen out of the top ten in the official world golf ranking since the first time since early of twenty fourteen. He's been inside the top ten, number one, as you guys know, since early twenty fourteen. This is the first time he's fallen out of the official top ten in the official world golf ranking. Who in 2019 has a better chance of completing the career grand slant? Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, or Phil Mickelson? We'll see three attempts at Mm -hmm. it. I think Phil Mickelson is obviously the big long shot just due to age and the way we saw him finish 2018. All that being said, though, the one thing that you can predict about Phil Mickelson is he's unpredictable. (laughs) Seeing what Jordan Spieth did this year obviously concerns Rory. We saw what he did at Augusta. They all have their hurdles to cross. Bob, we'll go with you, go around. Who, if you had to pick one, in your mind, has the best chance of grabbing it?
2: I would think I would think that McEl, McElroy still has the best chance because I think he knows the golf course as as well as most guys who are at that level. So I think he's got a good chance at it. He's proven he can play great rounds on the golf course, just not four of them. Um, if you look at Jordan Spieth, he's going to play at Bethpage for the PGA Championship, yep. so that's a maybe a little different task for him. And I think the door has
3: officially closed on Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open. So I'll give it I'll give it to McElroy. Well, especially with the way Mickelson drives the golf ball, I mean, you'd need some sort of miracle. And I mean, you never know. As you said, he's unpredictable. Uh, you know, Rory McElroy can overpower Augusta National, especially with that right high, uh, right to left ball flight on a number of those holes. I still like Jordan Spieth. You know, he he is he is such a great mental game. He can he can really flick a switch. Um, and uh, I, I'd say he has the best chance to get it done at Beth Page Black.
1: Really? I do. Ooh, I, I like do. that coming out of there that's uh I do. And and who knows? I I think anybody needs a bounce back 2019 more than anybody. To me it's Jordan Speith even more so than than, than Rory. Yeah. Um Now when we get there guys in April, we're going to see a different Augusta. Uh they've purchased land adjacent to uh from Augusta Country Club. And the plan is to lengthen the 5th hole. Now, I have not seen any photos or construction. I'm assuming they're going to it's. I'm assuming it started, or they've started. Probably moving started it. the day after. Yeah. So we're <laughs> going to see a fifth hole, which is already a demanding par four, that. and one of the most difficult holes annually on that golf course, especially well, on the front nine. For sure. Yes. And now it's a golf hole that a lot of players hit driver on, but a lot of players hit fairway wood on to lay up short of the bunker that pinches the left side of the fairway. Now they're going to be forced more than likely to hit driver off the tee and going to be faced with a longer approach. They're talking about adding 40 yards to an already long par 4. The other change is 13, which is one of my favorite holes in the world of golf. This uh, new 13th, they'll be able to go back another 30, 40 yards. Necessary? Are these good changes? I know Augusta is so good at dialing in the score. They can set up their golf course the way they want. Uh, But if you recall... The first time they did this, the first time they tried to quote-unquote tiger-proof the golf course, we got some of the more, for lack of a uh, better term, boring masters that we've had in quite some time because they made it too hard. They took the birdies and eagles out of play. Uh, Certainly five is tough enough. I don't think the complexion of five as being a good par hole will change. But 13, thirteen, I don't want to see that T being used for four days.
3: Well, and especially you know because you know we we see Sunday as you know, it's known for the roars and it's known for that back nine and making a back nine charge and shooting five or six under to go and when the Masters are making four straight birdies to to win a Masters. So I'm curious how this is going to play out, especially you know as you said five is if you make four there you're in you're in good you're in good hands. But if you go to thirteen, you're you're expecting you to make birdie or eagle. And for a lot of those guys now, it's a three wood around the corner, or for your Bubba Watson, a 370 yard high slice over the trees. But now, if it's 30 yards back, you know who knows it's going to be a longer shot into that uh, very challenging green. The year, uh, in the year the Bubba won in 2014, I got to
2: play in the media draw. Ah, yes. And when we got to 13, the caddies were racing down to try and find his divot <laughs> And from where he hit that tee shot, yeah. and they did find it. They're pretty sure what they what they found was his divot. And to me, you've got to lengthen that hole because it's, I mean, if he's hitting a little flip wedge yeah. into a par five, I don't think that's good for the Masters. And I think I think you want to keep people around so they have to hit a good shot and give them a chance, if they do, get the bank, get the roll, get the, the curve on it to go around that corner where they have a little bit of a longer iron at least, maybe it's something like a five iron at least into that green. I mean, you look, you know, Seve Ballesteros hitting two and three irons in there is back in his heyday. I I just think that that one needs a little bit more teeth into it. 5, I don't think you really need to change it. 5 is is tough enough and you can you can toughen that up with a uh with a pin placement and it's not one of those holes that you think about coming down the stretch where it's going to make a difference. You don't have that on your on your brain. I don't think whereas you do 13 and 15 and 17 and 18 and 16 holes like that.
1: Uh mm-hmm. quickly before we close the door on the masters Tiger Woods was the betting favorite when we got to Augusta. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think uh, now? Last year Boy. he was the betting favorite heading to Augusta with really no reason to be. That was New England Patriots money. Okay, that was public bull BS money. Is what that was. Yeah. Okay. This time around, he will still be the betting favorite for all those reasons, but for other reasons, he's actually moved to 13th in the world. He's won the Tour Championship. He he showed us he can win. Right now, in your mind, do you think he should be? The favorite, the legit favorite, not the public money, or in your mind right now is somebody else the favorite? As we had to discuss it if it was being played tomorrow.
3: Well, for me, it's. I mean, Brooks Koepka. He's one. He's you know, two majors last three or three of his last six. It's tough not to choose. Choose a guy like him. He makes his an upset like, on
1: par fives too, right?
3: Yeah, and and he only carries at three forty and has biceps the size of this room. Almost so, as mean. big as yours. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Well, I've been sta- I've standing next to both of you. Your biceps are bigger. I, uh, I take you into the war first. I, mean, Thank I think you. That's
2: right. I think there's a lot of people I would put ahead of Tiger. That I think he'd be in my top ten. But I think I put I think I put Brooks Kepka ahead of him. I think I would bet money on Dustin Johnson ahead of that, and I think I would bet money on Jordan Spieth ahead of that.
1: Yeah, I know. Don't forget Justin Rose, who's a top, top top five machine at the Masters. Yeah,
2: don't forget Jordan Spieth finished third last year, his fourth top three finish in five years. Isn't that crazy? All, all
1: Jordan Spieth does is make birdies at Augusta. That's right. Uh, and I agree. I agree with all those names that you guys laid out before I put out Tiger. And that doesn't mean Tiger can't win. I think Tiger can sure. win, no problem. And I think. Who knows, if he wins at least one more time, like we all think he will, it might. maybe we're talking different when we're talking a week before the matches. It'll be interesting to see, but you're right. As of right now, I don't know. It's hard to not go with Kepka. It's hard to not yeah. go with Rose. It's hard to not go with Spieth based on what's happened the last four, or five years. All right, on the other side, we will open the door on what is easily the most controversial major of the year, and that's its new identity. As Curtis Strange would say, where's my national championship gone? This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Five layers make it exactly like nothing else. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to switch today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, year review part two, really our majors edition. We just closed the door on the year's first major at Augusta. The US Open will not be the year's second major. In 2019, as the PGA will move to May. But looking back at 2018, a traditional spot, second major on the calendar, the US Open, and Brooks Kepka with his first win of uh, two major wins in 2018. And we didn't really know it, guys, at the time. We were thinking, you know, what a great win. But the story really became once again the golf course and USGA's involvement. At one of, what, which is my second favorite U.S. Open venue. Funny enough, my favorite U.S. Open venue, they'll be at a 2019 Pebble Beach. But my second favorite U.S. Open venue, hands down, is Shinnecock Hills. I think it's a brilliant example of American links. I think it it is as good as it gets. And Bob, you were there. They got in the way again. I
2: mean, I guess you can say that the weather caught them by surprise, but the weather shouldn't catch them by surprise. You don't have to set up a golf course on the edge so so much, so severe, and that's really kind of what happened I mean the first round was was filled with gusty winds. Uh, I think the third round was last same sort of thing, so there's a few few errors that they just made in in either predicting weather or they got caught by the weather but i I almost get to the point where they picked the golf course so far in advance and they spend so much time at it that they almost overthink oh. things to me. It just doesn't seem like it should be this difficult to set up a golf course
3: that's challenging and
2: fair and yet they seem to get it wrong year after year after year.
3: Well, and, you look at what the RNA does and the Open Championship says there's never a complaint about what they do right. there and and they're completely different golf courses. Yes, but I mean just as well, you said Bob, don't don't overthink it.
1: Well, Adam, you you bring up a great point there because I always said this and I said this a couple of weeks ago in Golf Talk Canada, you know, it is a perfect example of man trying to dictate, of man trying to control. Versus uh, the example of a a different part of the world that sees golf a different way, where elements and Mother Nature dictate the sport. And golf is a more uh, organic uh, endeavor as opposed to an artificial endeavor. And I, I love that the RNA steps out of the way. Okay, we had a dry summer in Scotland. It's going to be a firm, dry golf course. We had a wet summer in Scotland. We're going to have a wet, lush, with thick, rough golf. This is not rocket science. It plays out every year and, again, the USGA gets involved this year and, and, and kind of tweaks it th- and completely drops the ball on this the wrong way. Now, at the end of the day, we end up getting a great champion. So let's not forget the fact that they you may have identified, or they, I don't going to say may have, they identified the year's best player. He was the player of the year. He proved it again when he came back on a very different setup and won at the PGA Championship. But there's something wrong. It feels, it's just, when guys have a chance to win that started like, the finished, excuse me, like an hour before yeah. you. Had, that 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 I have a hard time digesting those broadcasts.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, give mm-hmm. give full credit to Tommy Fleetwood for his round when he shoots sixty three uh, in that in that condition. But you could see for most of the week the frustration on the players for not getting rewarded for good shots or not even having a chance to get rewarded for a decent shot. And I think it was epitomized by Phil Mickelson finally on <laughs> that third round where he you know hit had the enough. moving ball, and that was just to me. He could say whatever he wants, but to me that was just a, a, a blast of frustration of, oh my God, what is this golf course all about? This is ridiculous. I, I don't care anymore. He kind of lost control Is that of his the bonehead
1: move, move of the year, Bob?
2: Yeah, I think it it's is for a guy me, of right? Phil's. If it had been some other player or something, maybe not with quite as high a profile as Phil Mickelson, but that to me was just, I've lost the gasket.
1: Scully, here are the future U.S. Open sites. 2019 Pebble Beach, the best. 2020, Wingfoot. If you don't agree with Pebble, arguably Shinnecock and Wingfoot are your next two arguments, okay? 2021, Tory Pines. 2022, the country club of Brookline, famous for the uh, Miracle Sunday, I Have a Good Feeling About Tomorrow, Ryder Cup. The Los Angeles Country Club, that is a, a, a golf course hosting a major uh, championship venue 2023 that we haven't really seen on the men's side of the game in many, 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 many years. And then back to Pinehurst Number 2, which already has an interesting setup to begin with. Oakmont and then back to Shinnecock. So we don't see Chambers Bay. We don't see Aaron Hills. <laughs> Do you agree with the Curtis Strange, which I agree with, get rid of graduated rough? throw it out, and leave the golf course alone. If you bring back the real rough of the U.S. Open, leave it alone, you don't have to trick it up in other ways and worry about this and firmness of greens and crazy speeds. You can have... A regular golf course. If you just go back to the way they used to set it up and get out of the way with the venues I just listed, that just that not sound like a bulletproof plan. Well, you?
3: I, I know. I know the last time they were at Oakmont, the members said they didn't really change the golf course at all because they didn't have to because it just plays that difficult. So all the time, I'd say to the USGA, just keep it simple. You know, yeah. you, you don't want to you don't want to overthink a golf course and essentially ruin the golf tournament when you have Zach Johnson on the Saturday saying they've lost the golf course, that's what they did, and hopefully they can avoid doing that this year.
2: I don't mind the graduated rough as much as I mind what they do to the greens, where they try to take them right to the edge, and invariably they seem to lose them or parts of them, or during parts of the days they lose them. That to me is the more frustrating part, because when you can't putt on those greens, it just takes away So much of the skill level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not. It's it's a guessing game when you when you become putting. But I don't mind the graduated Ruck because I like the fact that the you know the why should if you miss the fairway by two feet you should get the same penalty as someone who misses it by twenty feet. So I don't mind that as much. But I'm okay
1: if it's graduated as well as long as the first cut is still horribly penal. Sure. It's sure, got to be horrible. Fine. I just want it to be. so. It's it, got to be a penalty. It, so it starts with disaster and goes to death. Right. Okay, It doesn't start with playable and move to unplayable. Right. It right. starts at unplayable. Right. I'm, I'm fine. Give me my U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah. On the other side, Bob had the opportunity to speak with the U.S. Open champion at Shinnecock following his second major championship victory in what would be the first of two majors in 2018. Bob goes one-on-one br- with Brooks Koepka next. This is Golf Talk
0: Canada this segment of gtc presented by acura was brought to you by the tp5 and tp5x golf ball five layers make it exactly like nothing else visit taylormadegolf.ca to switch today this is golf talk canada presented by acura this segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including Moto Motocaddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit JPSMGolf.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to Golf.Canada, here in Review, Part 2, Brooks Koepka, Player of the Year. Two-time major champion, it all started at Shinnecock Hills for the US Open, his second major victory of his career, and Bob had a chance to go one-on-one.
2: Brooks, congratulations. This course had a lot of different looks to it through the first three days. When you showed up Sunday, what were you expecting?
4: I was expecting to win a golf tournament. Uh, I felt like I was playing very well. I felt like I was in a good place mentally, and you know, I was excited to be out uh, competing for a major. Uh, the first one of the year that I've played. Uh, I haven't missed Augusta, but uh, it was fun, and I really enjoyed it, and this one is definitely a lot sweeter than Mm -hmm. the last.
2: Was the course what you were expecting? I mean, you came off so many different looks from between Thursday and Saturday when you stepped up there. Was it what you expected?
4: Yeah, you know, you watch a little bit of it on TV. Uh, You see guys are spinning the ball. Uh, Guys are holding green, so you know it's going to be a little bit softer. Uh, See the pin locations are a little bit more in the center of the greens than they had been the last three days Um, and you knew going in that there was going to be some red numbers and then when you're out there you see what Tommy did and then you know as we're playing the first couple holes I saw what Patrick was doing very early and you know that there's birdies uh, out there you just need to go get them.
2: I think a lot of people think of you as primarily a power player and yet today I would say that it was probably the clubs at the other end of the bag that got it done for you that up and down I know it was a bogey but on 11 up and down at 12 14 were those the most important clubs for you today
4: yeah absolutely uh, i feel like i'm probably one of the most underrated putters uh everybody sees you know the driver it's easy to see how long see how far you hit it um but i'm such a good putter uh inside eight feet i put the ball very well very consistent and you know it's it's shined i guess um in the last Last year uh, at the U.S. Open, and, and this week it, it really did shine. It saved me <laughs> a bunch of strokes. I know that. And, you know, U.S. Open, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to make some key 10-foot par saves um, and even bogey saves, uh, as I did on 11.
2: Um, you, you mentioned you have missed some golf this year. You had some injuries. And I, someone told me that you said last week that you felt like you were hitting it awful. I don't know if that's true or not. But when you came in here, you're saying that there's nobody more confident out here than me. Why did you say that?
4: I felt like I was in a good place mentally, I felt like my game was in good shape. Uh, anytime you're defending, you're going to have a little bit more excitement to be out here. Uh, first major of the year uh, for me, and you know, it's I was defending, and all you have all these things that go into it, and you know, I love U.S. Opens, I love the tough tests, uh, you know, half the guys you can eliminate just because, you know, they're not used to the tough conditions, mentally they're going to break down, uh, things like that. And, Anytime you put me on a tough test, um, where you're firing away from pins and you know there's disaster around the corner, uh, I I actually really enjoy that.
2: Was is, is your mental strength come from all the stuff, you, all the places you've played? You played in Europe, you played the Challenger, you played all those things. You put yourself in tough p- situations. Is that where you where you kind of learned that?
4: Yeah, I would say so. Um, the road I took isn't exactly easy. Um, you know, nothing's ever really come easy for me. I never never was the guy that was out winning i always had a fight for something um you know i didn't win in, in college till my senior year and then you know coming out of the gates i won a little bit in challenge tour and then you just got to keep elevating your game um you know i haven't won as much on the pga tour as i would have liked uh one pga tour and two majors uh sounds kind of funny but i'll take it <laughs> uh it's it's something i just need to work on and you know kind of win win more Uh that's that's the goal right now
2: there are 137 players who won one major. There are now 38 players who've won two. What does it say to you about Brooks Kepka that you've got two majors? Now you're in a special group there.
4: Yeah, it's uh it's an incredible group of names. Um when you look at guys that have won multiple majors, it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, I can't even wrap my head around it right now. It's special that all the names on that list are, you know, Hall of Fame guys and you know, I've still got a few years in me uh, before I'm done. So hopefully keep adding to that list.
2: Maybe you'll do it at Karnoosti. We'll see you there. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate
4: it. Brooks
1: Koepka, huge, huge win. Uh, he ended up going to be player of the year. In our previous year review special, uh, both of you gentlemen firmly, immediately, without hesitation, suggested he wouldn't be number one in the world this time next year. Is that a comment on Brooks Kepka or are you commenting more on the revolving door of world number one? To start with you, it's, it's
3: more of that. It's more the parody of the game. There's so many guys who who are there's that good. You know, you look at Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, uh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth when he's on his game. Uh, you know, Brooks Koepka is obviously part of that, and who knows? Jason Day, Tiger Woods could be part of that uh, next year. Um, but he had just an unbelievable year, one of the greatest years in recent memory and given how it started for him too how he missed the first three months he with a wrist injury and said he may never play golf again it was quite an unbelievable turnaround
2: yeah i think i i don't know if uh brooks kepka is the future of golf or not he may very well be that kind of a player that power player where you just dominate um from from 400 yards out or 500 yards out or 600 yards out it's going to be interesting he doesn't get enough credit for his putting i think that's the one thing that we have to say about about brooks kepka is that uh, he's a he's really a, a complete player, but he is a physical power player of a ilk that we're seeing more and more of on the PGA Tour. Those kind of guys also tend to face a few more injuries than the other guys. Absolutely. So there's there's that whole possibility too, which may may come up right now. But um, listen, if he was if he wasn't getting respect before, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to get it at the start of the 2019 season or calendar year anyway.
1: Uh, Tiger Woods, one of two missed cuts on the year, came at the U.S. Open. And it really unraveled with his second shot on Thursday. He split the fairway off the tee, which has always been an Achilles heel for Tiger. An opening tee shot in a major has always been a problem. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in our previous year review with Rory McIlroy and the horrible Sunday finish at Augusta started with the opening tee shot. Well, Tiger put it exactly where he needed to be and actually flushed his second shot through the win. He controlled the traj too well through the win. And it, it led to a disaster of, of bad decisions in a seven and, and unraveled from there. Pose a question to you, gentlemen, for Tiger Woods for 2019. These are our major venues Augusta National, Pebble Beach, uh, Royal Port Rush in Ireland, where none of the players really have any experience other than a couple of handful that played at his kids growing up, assuming they're in the field. Mm-hmm. And then, Balt- and then um, uh, Beth, Beth. Beth Page Black, excuse me, for the PGA. Now, Tiger has great success at Augusta. Great success at Pebble Beach and great success at uh, at uh, Beth Page Black. Mm-hmm. okay if you buy into the argument that Tiger maybe the courses that previously weren't that were great for Tiger aren't anymore. in other words he doesn't live or die on par fives anymore the way he used to dominate at Augusta and that game is better played now by Kepka, better played now by DJ, better played now by Rory than it's played by Tiger Woods. Where is the best opportunity for Tiger to win a major in 2019? Because my mind tends to lean towards Pebble Beach. Because oh. even though it's a golf course he had extreme success on as a, as a, a, for his whole career, it's not a golf course where you win with the driver you're going to win with putting on Poana greens. You're going to control your irons. You're going to know to flight it on seven because one day fl- seven's a sandwich and the next day it's a five iron. For me, next year, that's his best shot for me. Adam?
3: I'm going uh, off the board and saying Royal Port Rush just because of his ball striking. It's going to be a ball striking paradise. You know, it, especially who knows what the conditions are going to be like. They had a really warm summer this past summer in Ireland, so next summer probably flip, just going to, to be, be a disaster. Yeah. Um, and when he was on top of his game, his lag putting was always so good in Open Championships, and obviously their greens are going to be a little slower with the wins. So I'm going to say uh, the Open Championship. I, I like your your comment on the U.S. Open uh, as well, given how his game he's not a you know he's not going to dominate to a degree a golf course with his driver anymore. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour, and and as we saw last year or at the Tour Championship, when his putter gets hot, you know it's it's tough uh, tough uh, for him to lose.
2: Bob. Well with a golf course it's going to play maybe seven thousand yards, and you know likely could be could be a little soft still even with that at that time of year. Uh, I think he is such a good iron player he is so uh, accurate with his irons so dialed in with distance control on his irons. I think Pebble Beach is going to be the course where he's going to have the best best chance. I just think the other two might be too tough of the tests for him to to play better than everyone else, like he's not, he's going to play well. But I think, mm-hmm. and I think the you know the history that he's got at Pebble Beach, obviously winning by fifteen, um, will stick in his mind and a lot of other people's minds. Those were who were alive at that point, some yeah. of them were diapers or whatever. Anyway, Great minds, right? Think alike, so, Bob, <laughs> and we remember the win there yeah. in two thousand. No, yeah, no, I mean uh, I got to witness that. That was pretty special. Yeah. So I, I just think that that's the one where he'll get the best feel for it.
3: I agree. I want to pose a question to you guys. Uh, there is obviously the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am this year. How many guys do you say? Obviously, the course is going to be completely different right. from you know from uh, February to to June. But how many how many guys do you think will? Play that only because the U.S. Open is there uh, in a couple months.
1: Okay, let's pick that up on the other side. Okay. We will preview. We will talk about this year's Open Championship and preview next year's Open Championship as we move to the Open, yep. which will be the final major of the year in 2019 with the new schedule. But we'll pick it up there because playing the, a week before a major in 2019, especially to Canadians, is a much bigger question than it ever was before. Mm-hmm. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, was brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including Kart Tech, Moto Caddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit JPSMGolf.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to our Year in Review special, Part 2, Zakino Week. Scully, we are closing the door on the U.S. Open and opening it up on the Open Championship, which will be the final major when we look forward in 2019. But before we went to break, Scully brought up a great point. The U.S. Open this year is at uh, Pebble Beach. And it plays very different in June than it does in February for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And Scully asked the question, how many PGA Tour players do you feel that normally do not play the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am? And for that matter, maybe even a European flavor of guys coming from overseas and and playing the Pebble Beach Pro-Am because they've not seen Pebble before. How many people will add that to their schedule so they can get a little bit of a peek at the U.S. Open venue? Even though, Bob, let's be honest, it almost is a completely different golf course when the USGA get their hands on it and Mother Nature changes and hopefully drives out the Monterey Peninsula a little compared to February.
2: You know, there might be a couple. I don't think there'll be a lot, and for a couple of reasons. One is because the course will play so differently. Two is that most of the best players in the world have played Pebble Beach. They understand what, what the course is. They under, they'll be able to put together a strategy. Uh, of how to play it and and where to hit the ball and, and how they do that, they're, they're more likely to come in a week, say in late May, to maybe tee it up and have a little gander around it or something. But um, but I think I I, I just think it's going to be such a different golf course, it may be hard to kind of really. It's like apples and oranges, what you see there. And the other thing is, of course, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am is like a six-hour round. It's a long day. It's it's a, It could be a fun event, but you got to be in the right frame of mind for it. And maybe if you're worrying about more of a golf championship, a major championship, you might not have the same taste of it.
1: And keep something else in mind as well. If you play well you get two rounds at Pebble. If you don't play well, you get one round Mm, at Pebble. And if you're a European tour player that has their schedule set, and maybe that's a time of year where you like to count a couple of starts on the European tour to get the minimum under your belt, etc., it might not be worth your trip all the way to the west coast of uh, North America. Now, speaking of playing the week before, it's been very popular Uh, in recent years to add the Irish Open and Scottish Open to one's American schedule as a tune-up to the Open Championship. And last year, you know, we saw a player that was heading into the Open Championship, maybe the hottest player in the world at the time when we headed headed in to Carnoustie. Was it anybody's surprise? Not that he won, but I don't think it was any surprise at all to any of us that Molinari contested, eventually won. But none of us were shocked that he was there on Sunday.
3: None of us, were, none of none of us were shocked. I think the more surprise was that he went bogey free on the weekend. It was just playing a, with Tiger Woods, playing with Tiger Woods on the Sunday, which he's done before in past Ryder Cup in the twenty twelve Ryder Cup. He faced off with them in the singles, um, but this was just an unbelievable performance. Every time it looked like he was gonna make a bogey or make a mistake, he would come up with a clutch bunker shot or a clutch pitch or make a ten footer for par. This was. One of the best stretches of the summer that we did see from Francesco Molinari, winning a couple of weeks earlier earlier on the PGA Tour, then going on to win the Open Championship, and it, you know it was near dominating fashion. Yes, it was a two shot win, but the way he did it was was just a sight to see for sure.
2: To me, the uh, the the biggest thing about Molinari was was we've always known what a great ball strike he is, was straight off the tee. I mean, he hits a ton of fairways, and and that was important, obviously, that, as it is at any major championship. But his putting was spectacular, and that's the biggest improvement he has made in his putting and it was a really interesting um approach he took to putting where his coach Phil Kenyon tried to get him to putt, not necessarily just hit three putts at the same hole all the time, but to try and putt with a purpose and with a scenario in place. In other words, okay, this is you're gonna hit this one ball and it's an eighteen foot putt, and this is, you know, to try and get you into the playoff, or he would put oh things in his head, talk to him about it and say, this is what I want you to do, this is what I want you to imagine. And he never just hit the same kind of putt uh, twice. He would hit an uphill putt, he would hit a sloper. He would, it was amazing to watch him. I only saw him at the doing this at the PGA Championship, but it was amazing to watch him practice those putting with a purpose is kind of what he called it. And to me, that was the biggest change in his game, and that's why he's a major champion right now and, and why he played so well at the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's interesting to see because he spoke of that and he gave so much weight to that, Bob, that so a switch went off in his mind and that, and that was the difference, the way they prepared, the calmness he had over putts, the calmness he had now inside the ropes. And I'll pose a question, you guys, and, and I, I still think the answer is the same, but I think it's a lot closer, the answer. If player of the year was a global award, and when we talk about Brooks Kepka being Player of the Year, we're talking about the PGA Tour hardware that's handed out. But I think we'd all agree on a global stage, he's still Player of the Year winning two majors Absolutely. this year. But let's say that the voting was for a global stage on what you've done all over the world in 2018. I still think Brooks Kepka is the Player of the Year, but I think it is way tighter than it was under the initial criteria. And here's why. Francesco Molinari, Open champion. Francesco Molinari, Quicken Loans sh- champion on the PGA Tour. Francesco Molinari on the European Tour, BMW champion. That is their players' championship, guys. So it is the equivalent of him winning the Open championship and the players compared to Kepka's two majors. Much closer now we're getting. 5-0 and in the Ryder Cup. Vaulting himself well into the top ten in the world. I think if you were looking at his season globally, A snapshot compared to Kepka's season globally is a snapshot. Man, you can make a really good argument that it's a lot closer than it appears.
3: Hundred percent agree, and you know it's not even you know as the player of the year in in some degree, at least in my mind, he's almost like the breakout player of the year because you know for years he was this he was a great player, but he could never you know take that next step and be a a star, and and he really took that step this year, and and him and Kepka Molinari and Kepka really maybe separated themselves. Away from the the pack in that sense,
2: and I think we're just seeing the start of what Molinari is going to give us. I think he's going to be a really interesting player to watch next year. One of the, he's probably one of my most intriguing guys to watch next year to see if he can continue on this role of of confidence that he's certainly built up. And the interesting part about again about about his wins is they all kind of came on different courses, different styles of courses. Yeah. He's playing. It's not just one. He's not just a one trick pony. You know, he can win on the parkland course. He can win on the Lynx course, and um to me that's that's a real interesting talent to have. Yep.
1: Uh we're gonna talk a little PGA championship in this show. Um, but before we do and before we get and move on from the open, I I still think the open championship was my favorite major of the year. And with all due respect to the PGA, because I think if I had to been on soil with Bob at the PGA, I think I would take the PGA. Tigers' push on Sunday, the roar of the crowd, the size of the crowds, the support. But from a journalistic standpoint, from a broadcaster standpoint, the reason the Open Championship is my favorite is for a few reasons. One, Carnoustie, maybe the greatest Lynx golf course in the planet, with all due respect to the the old course of St. Andrews. Two, the storylines at the Open were really uh, themes that we talked about all year. Uh, Tiger getting through the mental hurdle on Sunday. He led that tournament, couldn't cross the finish line. We wouldn't see him get over that hurdle for months later. Rory McIlroy, think of the sand wedges. Thing. Oh, Justin yeah. Rose, Francesco Molinari, and Tiger Woods hit it to the 18th hole at Sunday. Stone dead 10 feet or better. Rory McIlroy from the same position, 27 feet. A theme all year, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love the fact that we saw everything that we were talking about for six, seven months all happened in one weekend, eh, Bob? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I mean, it was the, it was the. Uh, to me, it was, it was cool on so many different levels with all these different players getting involved, uh, all the big name players that we had hoped for. This is kind of the one that we thought it was. It was a great way to end the season for, in terms of major golf championships.
1: Scully, you're going to be there in next year with Bob. It'll I can't be, wait. Uh, in fact, it'll be the only uh, major championship I won't be at by the looks of it in 2019. Uh, uh, which I love Ireland, so you know I would love to be there. But how excited are you? to see this, and, and the fact that it's Northern Ireland for the first time in over 60 years is pretty special.
3: I'm, I'm very excited, and it's going to be it's quite a great venue as well. There's so many challenging holes, some really meaty par 4s, could be some drivable par 4s. There's so much variety to the golf course, so many different ways you can play different holes, whether you want to go iron, or driver, or six iron, or you can putt from 30 yards off the green. But one one <clears throat> one final note on Tiger, I think the low-key excuse me, moment of the year was when he held the solo lead on Sunday for that brief, I don't know, standing on the what 11th team. 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. That that was one of, that's where if if you're one who uh, watches a golf broadcast and is on Twitter at the same time, that's when Twitter almost broke. Yeah. <laughs> when Tiger Woods was so cl- was he had the solo lead on the back nine on a Sunday out of major championship. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that this would ever happen again? And to me, that was one of the, Just great moments of the year.
1: My phone blew up, and, you know, we have friends from all over the world. I work with a lot of Americans on my PGA Tour radio team, and I would say this. The two times my phone blew up most this year in 2018, Tiger getting a piece of the lead on Sunday, at the Open Championship, and John Tavares becoming a (laughs) 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 trial. Now, speaking of Tiger and leads on Sunday and chances to win majors... PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka with the win, but Tiger stealing the show. We'll talk PGA next. This is our Year in Review Special,
0: Part 2. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada. Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner. The most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at golftalkcanada.ca. We'll be right back with more GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit playgolfmyrtlebeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to GTC, our year review special, as we. Recap the major here in the world of golf and uh, next year PGA Championship moves from the final major of the year in August up to May becoming the second major of the year as the new schedule unfolds. We talked about that in part one of our year in review special, but PGA has a lot of storylines. Obviously Brooks Kepka capping really his player of the year on the PGA Tour as second major. Tiger Woods with another push on Sunday. Uh, the re-emergence of a fan favorite and a former major champion in Adam Scott. Uh, So much to talk to. The golf course, taking some some shots during the week by all of us here at this table, saying it doesn't provide the drama and whatnot. And it ended up providing a great Sunday. And and again, speaking to what a proper setup does on a golf course uh, and what it does. Uh, Before we get to that, I know it was both of yours favorite major of the year last year. You've been both open about that. Bob, I'll go back to Tuesday when I got a text from you on Tuesday and you said to me, uh, shock, I could see it in your text. I could almost see your face in the text. <laughs> that you were shocked at the amount of bodies from a fan perspective on a Monday and a Tuesday at Bell Reve St. Louis. It was a mountain, a wave of people.
2: It was, without a doubt, the most people I've seen on a golf course on a Monday or a Tuesday at any kind of a championship. I can't tell you how many players said that same thing to me. Veteran players who've been around a lot of different championships and the people in St. Louis just came out. Now they do apparently that's just something that they do in St. Louis. They're big fans. They come out Cardinals whatever. They had a lot of special events there. They brought back Ozzy Smith. They had uh, a bunch of St. Louis sporting legends at one point all up there and some some great names from hockey and baseball and football and uh, track and field and I mean it was just it was mind-boggling to see what they the event that they put on in this golf course. And yeah, the golf course may not have been Everyone's cup of tea It may not have been in the greatest of shape or whatever. It was a little soggy. But the the, um, tee-up leading into it was just absolutely massive. And the guys seemed to like the golf course because it, it gave them the ability to do some scoring, which, again... Going back to the other three majors, you know, you don't have to worry too much about what the score is. Just give us some drama. Set a stage for us. And the PGA does that better than anybody else.
1: Yeah, Brooks Kepka 16 under par. Tiger Woods finishing second at 14 under bar, par. Two shots back. And Adam Scott, uh, three off the pace. Uh, Adam, I really thought that for a moment there the Tiger was going to break through. I didn't realize, obviously, a couple months later he would finally get the win at the Tour Championship. But for me... The photograph of the year for me is Tiger with the mob of people behind him at the Tour Championship, yep. standing there with a the mob of people as he's walking to victory to, to, to put the cherry on the top of the comeback. To me, that's the image of 2018. If you were to say, give mm-hmm. me the image. Previous to that, my image of the year, with all due respect to Kepka and Reed and all these wonderful moments, was Tiger Woods stopping or, or or almost coming to a full stop on the bridge at Belle Reeve and giving the thumbs up to that sea of people that were just <laughs> adoring him from below? Mm. It was like it's like nothing I've ever seen before.
3: Well, especially, you know, at, at a golf tournament, it, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it right now, just to make that birdie on the 18th hole. And, you know, that we saw that vintage fist pump, and I, yeah, I think he obviously knew that he wasn't going to win the tournament at that point, but to come solo second after all he's been through, was pretty amazing. And that week for him as a whole was pretty crazy as well. To start three over through two holes. He switched his shirt right away, which got the broadcast. It was, yeah. it was pretty funny <laughs> on, on the broadcast. But three over through two holes and to claw back the way he did. Uh, but one turning point for him that whole week was that par 5 17th hole. Saturday, he has a 13-foot putt for Eagle. Three jacks. Yeah. Yes. On yes. Sunday, he's right in the thick of things. And he blocks his drive way right. Yes, he did make a great par on that hole and up and down from the bunker. But who knows if if he can birdie or eagle on Saturday and do something on Sunday? This could be a whole different conversation right now. And Tiger could have fifteen majors. But some of the iron shots that Tiger hit on that Sunday mm-hmm. were unbelievable. That that third <laughs> hole, that par three, two two or three feet. The fifteenth hole, he's got a hundred and I believe it was hundred and sixty four yards. And hit it to a foot behind the hole. He almost slammed his club into the fairway because it didn't go in the hole. That was so much fun to see. <laughs> and and to be able Woods. to
1: hit the, some of the iron shots from places you shouldn't even be able to, to find your he ball. He didn't hit a fairway in the right. front nine. That's right. Which is remarkable. But th- he, he plays a, a golf ball that spins way more than most players on the PGA Tour because a modern ball doesn't spin. He wants more of a throwback ball. He can shape it uh, with the exception of, of, of probably Bubba. I don't know if there's anybody else that knows how to shape their irons more or better than Tiger Woods or flight their golf ball, which is why he's more than likely. If he's not the best iron player on the PGA Tour, he's certainly in the top five in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And all these things speak to it. A couple of notes on the PGA Championship, which will lead uh, to a question I have for you, gentlemen. Perfect. Uh, It should be noted that the Open champion, Francesco Molinari, went to the PGA and shot rounds of 68-67, 68-67. A brilliant performance (laughs) of 10 under for a T6 position. Uh, another great week for Francesco Molinari. John Rahm, 11 under par, five off the pace. Is he too young in his career for us to be disappointed in his major championship season? And the reason I ask that is I'm going back to this time last year <laughs> when all of us had him to win. The Open, Open. Championship. Yeah. All of us had him to win the Open. All of us had him contending at multiple majors. And from a player of that standpoint who has vaulted himself up the world rankings almost immediately, a guy who has won on both sides of the pond, a guy who proved at the Ryder Cup, give me the, the biggest stage you want, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with saying I expected more even from this young player. And I'm going to say it was a disappointing major season season for John Ron.
2: Yeah, I think so, and I think what's coming out is a little bit more like this guy's got an incredible talent, but he may not have the uh, mental fortitude to kind of guide his game into this place where he needs to win a major yet. Yeah, I think that's something yeah. he can learn. I think he's, I think he was better this year than he was a year before, but I still think he kind of shoots himself in the foot with, with the way he has that emotion. I think you need that emotion sometimes, like a guy like Seve mm-hmm. can fuel it. But I think you have to learn how to how to use it, and I don't think he's quite learned
3: that yet. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure for me personally if it was that disappointing of a major year for him. He, he had two top four finishes in major championships. Sure. He came
1: fourth. They were a little back
3: door. Yeah, so, so the one at the Masters, he hit it into the water on uh, on Sunday on 15, and that was sort of the end of that for him. And There's there's that saying in, in all of sports that you have to lose and feel that disappointment before you go out and win, so... I, I think this is uh, you know this is a good thing for John Rom to contend and uh, maybe come up close to to learn those lessons to learn to be more even keeled in the golf course and maybe not chuck a club thirty yards or you know yell something at yourself and um you know i I, I do believe he'll win a major at least one major in in the next two seasons. How,
2: how about the guy who got tied with John who was tied with John Rom in the finish of the PGA? That was more of the big. that was probably the biggest surprise to me of that tournament. Stewart Sink.
3: Stewie, yeah. Stewie Sink. <laughs> Turning
1: back the clock, You know, I
2: mean, Stuart Sink is such a great guy, such a wonderful guy, and to see him play well, T4 in, uh, in the PGA Championship, I really loved that. I really loved watching him play uh, that final round.
1: Okay, guys, considering where we were this time last year, considering considering what transpired in January, February, March of 2018, who is more disappointed with their year in the majors and who needs a major before anyone else? DJ, Rory, or Spieth? Why, Scully. Ooh,
3: Uh Probably DJ. I mean, you know, he, he's been a little flat to a degree. Now, he, is
1: that because of the success he's had away from Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that he only has one under his
3: belt. He, one major, he's held world, world number one a couple of times for a, an extended amount of time. Yes, it was a top-ten finish at the Masters last year. He obviously contended at the U.S. Open. Uh, but a, a little, his British Open uh, performance was bizarre to say the least it just looked like he just wasn't interested at all um, but you know it looks like you know if if he can have that a game and get that that inner fire whatever it is inside of Dustin he never really shows it on the outside but that's obviously in there inside I think he's I think he's primed to break out for one this year if he can figure out all facets of his game because you know obviously a couple of years ago he figured out that wedge game and that turned him into you know an a player into an a plus player so if he can figure out that putting when it counts the most uh, I'm looking for him
1: Bob, who needs a major first and all?
3: Yeah, I think DJ. I think because he's falling behind everyone else
2: in majors in the in the tally. And I think to be a great player, you need to be in more than one major. And I think he wants to be a great player. I think there is a lot of fire inside his belly. that just doesn't show on the outside as much as most other players. But I think he's uh, he really had kind of a poor second half of the year, really, from the Canadian Open victory on, mm-hmm. almost just seemed to kind of go flat. And especially with the putter, which was... A club that had worked for him really well, but he just seemed to struggle almost the whole year with trying to find the right putter that would work for him. And the the number of little putts, short, meaningful little putts that he missed this year, I think was glaring.
1: I'll agree with you guys, hands down. I I think if you ask me the question, who needs a win first, it's Jordan Spieth, a win. 100%. But the question was, who needs a major First, Mm -hmm. And to me, I I think you guys are a thousand percent right. Dustin Johnson, for everything you've uh, articulated, for the fact that he started off the season so well last year, the dominance in Kapalua, the thought that we, you know, at the time we were talking about maybe a runaway season for DJ, maybe a six, seven win year. We were actually having these conversations Mm -hmm. because he was just looking like a guy that you couldn't touch and it just didn't uh, come to fruition. And you wonder if he needs to get life off the golf course settled back in again because we don't know where that is. And we also know the difference between DJ. When things are calm off the golf course, things do much better inside the ropes. And I'll agree with you gentlemen there. Now, the flip side of that coin, somebody who doesn't need a major and doesn't even need another win anytime soon is world number one Brooks Kepka. because he's already a winner in 2018-19 season. He already has a win under his belt. So. He has it off to a hot start and wants to ride that out in 2019. Bob had an opportunity to speak with him after his PGA Championship. We'll hear from Brooks Koepka next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit playgolfmyrtlebeach.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Don't wait to play one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Pay $500 towards your 2019 membership and play the rest of 2018 for free. Visit CedarBrayGolfClub.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to
1: GTC Year in Review, Part 2. Two, We are breaking down the majors, our major special of our series of 1, 2, and 3. And Bob had the opportunity to speak with Brooks Kepka following his U.S. Open victory. And guess what? He was in St. Louis at Bell Reve. And when Kepka hoisted the trophy, Bob had a chance to speak with him following his win.
2: Brooks, congratulations. You told me after the U.S. Open that you basically won that tournament because of your putting. And you were talking about how underrated a putter you were. Not to discount what you did on the greens here this week, but did you win this tournament with your driver, do you think?
4: I think I did. Uh, I was very aggressive with my play this week, and I put it in the fairway. Uh, today, maybe not so much uh, as I had the other three days. Um, starting off, uh, a couple shaky holes there, missing the fairway by a couple yards, and, and really got penalized. Uh, but the back nine, I thought I drove the ball very well, uh, hit some controlled shots, little um, controlled fade, and made sure they were in the fairway. Just went back to, back to basics, I guess you could say, and uh, it worked. But uh, my iron play definitely definitely helped coming down the stretch. I mean, that's some of the best ball striking I've had in my career over the last two weeks, and it definitely showed today.
2: I'm sure you heard the roars of what was going on out there. It was not no surprise. I mean, you knew that one of the greatest players to ever play the game was chasing you down, and yet you didn't buckle at all, didn't flinch.
4: What does that say about Brooks Koepka? Mentally tough. Um, I can handle it. I'm not afraid of uh, anybody, uh, even when you do have the greatest player to ever play the game uh, charging you down. and. Uh, a role model of mine when I was growing up. And then also Adam Scott, uh, you know, and my other role model uh, growing up. Uh, to have those two guys um, go wire, wire to wire there down the last few holes, it was it was so much fun. Uh, it was a dream come true. I uh, look back at myself probably when I was 12, uh, 15 years old, and I, I couldn't have dreamed of that. Pretty cool. Um, I heard your mom surprised you out there today. What does it mean to have her here? What does it mean? How much of this win is due to your family? So much of it. Uh, my mom's actually never seen me win a golf tournament. Really? So to, uh, to I, I actually did get a little emotional uh, with my mom uh, there right when, uh, right when she was hugging me. But uh, <laughs> I try not to show it. I, I try to be the tough guy sometimes. And uh, it, was, uh, it was special to have her there uh, this weekend. And my best friend surprised me. Uh, flew in and... Uh, Yeah, my girlfriend or uh, my my agent did a really good job of setting all that up without me knowing. I can't believe they hit all day in the crowd, not that you can see, really point many people out. Yeah, you can't point that many people out, but I saw my girlfriend on on the eighth hole, and um, I don't know how they hit. They did a good job of it. I give them credit. Three majors. You had uh, two majors this year,
2: and at the start of the year you were injured, missed a few months out of there. Could you have ever imagined the season that you've had when you were sitting injured at home?
4: Absolutely not. I look back at where I was, uh, sitting on the couch. Uh I was in a in a dark place and um, you know, I, I can remember watching the Masters and thinking, man, how good would that feel just to be even playing again and to not know if I'm gonna play. Uh I look back we were talking about it looking back at the players and um with the incident that happened there to to think, man, everything just regressed back and I, I can't play again and, and to win two majors is uh it's pretty incredible. I would have. Uh, I, I. don't think I could have dreamed of this in May. Congratulations. We'll look for you at Augusta. Thank you.
1: Guys, recently world number one, uh, with the win at the CJ Cup. He's already a winner on tour. I think the official World Golf rankings have finally aligned with the present day to identify who the best player is in the world. What does Brooks Kepka Bob, need to do to stay here? Because we all were kind of 50-50. You guys actually even more than 50. I was 50-50, but you were all kind of, hey, this is a revolving door. He's not going to be here in a year. And I know that's more a statement on the system and the revolving door of it. But this is a guy. Is this the personality type? Because herein lies the real question. There are guys to get to world number one and want to get rid of it as soon as possible because of what comes with it. And there are guys that get to world number one and want the torch. They want the baton. They want the rock. Tiger Woods being the obviously right. the perfect example. But I think Jordan Spieth, you know, in, in modern day outside of Tiger, maybe he's the guy that kind of handled it best or better than anybody since Tiger. I don't know. That's another debate. The question for you guys is not that debate, but is Brooks Kepka What side of the fence, knowing what you know, you've talked to him more than anybody, Bob, what side of the fence of personality does he fall on? Is he the guy that wants this and will accept it and grow in it? Or is he a guy that doesn't want the spotlight?
2: Oh, no, he wants it. Uh, it's it's more like, you know, come and catch me if you can. And he wants to just get better and better. And I think a lot of it is I want to prove people wrong. I want to prove people who said I didn't have this talent wrong. Um, and you look at the road he took to get to where he is. It's not the typical road, right? He got turned down from the college he wanted to go to. He played on the European Challenge Tour. Played in Europe, played in a lot of different spots. So I think there's, there's almost, I don't know, it's like a, I guess it's, I, guess it's, I want to show you I'm wrong. But Good he attitude. is a guy who is going to dare you. He's going to stare you in the face and <laughs> said, you come and catch me because I don't think you can.
1: See, I don't know him that well. And I know Bob yeah. knows him much better. I've only had a chance to interview him you know, two times on occasion at, at post-round
3: PGA Tour radio. So I love to hear this, Adam, because I think that's what golf needs golf needs that for sure. And, and he's got that, you know, we saw more of his personality this year when he won the U S open. I know Bob, he the comment to you that he was never nervous. And you think, how yeah. can you never be nervous when to win the U S right, open? But right. you know, you mentioned the road he took to get to number one. So I, I'll go through where he was when he got to each uh, spot. So when he, in the top 1000 2012 in Finland, he did that top 100 top 500 2012 in Spain, top 400 2013 in Kenya. Top 300 2013 in Italy. Top 200 in the world 2013 in the Canary Islands. Wow, <laughs> Top 100 in the world in the <laughs> Netherlands. Top 50 in the world in Turkey. Top 10, the U.S., and of course, number one in Korea.
1: That is so un- pretty international
3: crazy. global player, baby. And, and one other note on, on Kepka, you know, there's all this talk about how he doesn't get the, the respect that he deserves. And what a, I guess, fitting way in that sense and a bizarre way to get to world number one. When the vast majority of North America is is asleep, asleep. asleep, is sound asleep, <laughs> yeah. it was about 1.30 in the morning. I was actually watching it. I won't lie, but it was about 1.30 in the morning when when he uh, got to world number one. Uh, but I'm, you know, it's it's good to see Kepka, as he said, win some regular tour events uh, to get it going.
1: Well, I'll tell you right now, Skull. The world needs Brooks Kepka. What it doesn't need is another Ryder Cup like we just saw. (laughs) The year's quote-unquote fifth major. I don't know. Is that the players? Maybe it's the year's sixth major. All I know is this. The Ryder Cup is huge. It's on everybody's calendar. But it disappointed if you wanted a close Sunday. But it did give us Mollywood. We'll talk Ryder Cup next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Don't wait to play one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Pay $500 towards your 2019 membership and play the rest of 2018 for free. Visit cedarbraygolfclub.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and new Tour 360. Visit AdidasGolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Your review of part two as we talk about the year that was. This is our major special, and we gotta talk Ryder Cup because. I don't know. Maybe we handed out the the dunce move of the year to Phil Mickelson with the the moment on the green at the U.S. Open with, you know, kind of pulling in his golf ball and then suggesting that he knew what was going on. It was quite a laughable uh, next 24 hours, really. And my favorite part of that was, you know, Beef Johnson and his commentary around that. And I know anything Beef does, Bob, close. He lights up. So, But the ugliest moment of the year might not have been on a golf course. It might have been what happened the day after being on a golf course. (laughs) Can we get through a losing Ryder Cup for Team USA without people throwing each uh, other under the bus, Bob? And and that's part one of my question. I guess part two of my question is how they react to losing. Does that not tell you everything that's wrong as to why they keep losing?
2: Yeah, and let's, let's be honest here. It really came down to one player. Who was doing the griping, right? I think you had eleven players and a set of coaches well, who were fine. Uh,
1: assume though, can we assume that there was some type of physical altercation between Kepka and DJ? We just don't know what it was. <sighs>
3: who knows? Like, was, that's another yeah. thing we that's, hear. That's
1: right?
2: another one that's up in the air. I wouldn't right. want to say that either way because I don't yeah, really know what happened. Know but but like, certainly, it seems you know. I don't know. It didn't. Even if it's, <laughs> I don't you know, know what it, I'm saying, yeah. right? Now we have teammates yeah.
1: punching each other out. But, so clearly. yes, yes, Patrick Reed's. The st- straw, I just is he. The, I guess to, not to cut you off, but is he the only guy?
2: It, it kind of shows you that they're they're not as cohesive as the as the other team. The other the Europeans never seem to even when they lose, they seem to stick together. They yeah. seem to kind of keep everything inside the door. And and even if you just blame Patrick Reed for what's going on, there seems to be a lot of talking afterwards about it. Um, and I think Jim Furyk was had the best line. He sort of said, you know, as the coach. I'm gonna, or as the the captain, I'm gonna I'm gonna accept the blame or share the glory. So, and I think he kind of did that well, but I I just think that that uh, man, it just seems so hard for them not to kind of let the, the dirty laundry start to I air agree. out. And it's year after year whenever they lose. It's either by little bits or in big gaps, and and man, it was ugly, ugly again.
3: Yeah, you know, there's, you know, you win with class and you lose with class. And, you know, obviously we saw Phil Mickelson in 2014 throw Tom Watson right under the bus. And, you know, the U.S. went on to win the Ryder Cup in 2016 by a large margin. And the Europeans, yes, there was some griping about the golf course, but it wasn't towards each other. The best line came from Danny Willett. Asked how his week was, and he responded with one four-letter word that I will not repeat on the air, but it was hilarious, you know. Um, and you know, in terms of the, the Kepka DJ altercation, you wonder if it was perceived by like a bystander as uh, maybe they had a little too much to drink and maybe there was some pushing and shoving in like a fun way. Cause they're buddies. I, it's just so much, I don't know.
1: we just don't know what to believe. No, we never will. We, no, we never will. will. We'll yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, there won't be
3: cameras in there. Yeah. There's no, yeah. TMZ footage or whatever. Yeah. The biggest
1: yeah. problem I have here with the Patrick Reed part of this guys is that, okay, things happen in the moment. He's a passionate guy. Okay, he comes out of this and he starts complaining and throwing people under the bus. And he was ready to explode in the press conference. But, but So he says, but he didn't. And the reason I say so he says is I'm not too sure what to believe out of this guy's mouth. And the reason I'm, I'm guessing it is that by all reports, according to Jordan Spieth, according to Tiger Woods, according to Jim Furyk, Patrick Reed knew four weeks in advance that he was not going to play with Jordan Spieth. <laughs> Patrick Reed knew four weeks in advance he was going to play with his childhood idol. Uh, Patrick Reed had four weeks, including the day of Thursday, excuse me, including Thursday leading into the Ryder Cup and Friday after the sessions, to go to his captain, man-to-man, face-to-face, and say, maybe we can reunite us on Saturday. Maybe it's time to try something different. Let me give you my input. No, none of those things happened. He might have been thinking them. But just like he was apparently going to say something at the press conference and didn't, he waited until he was behind Twitter. He waited until he was away from the team to to do what he did. And to me, that makes it even more uglier. If he had gone in a week ahead of time and was an abrasive, uh, angry, aggressive guy ahead of the game because he wants to win and he wants to be a leader, even though I don't agree with the method, I can respect that a little bit more than when the dust is settled, you're doing it behind everybody's back.
3: Yeah, it was just just a bizarre way of doing it all. And and I mean, what was even more bizarre was watching him play golf uh, during the Ryder Cup. You know, he hit, you know, on that Saturday uh, morning, you know, he, he wouldn't have broken 80 for sure. He had multiple shots out of bounds. We saw uh, an audible F-bomb. Um, and we saw some some rather interesting shushing on the Sunday. It was just a weird.
1: Well, Bob says this all the time. No yeah. matter all the stuff we talk about, all the soap <laughs> opera storylines that are always around the Grider Cup. Bob says all the time doesn't matter. You throw it all all down the drain. If you just looked at the quality of golf, the ball striking, the putting, etc., it's not even
3: close.
2: Play better. It's it's a very easy answer when you if you're Patrick Reed. Here's here's the answer to any question you have, any complaint you have, play. Better. better you can answer a lot of questions in golf with that and it really does come down to that i think i think paul azinger had a really good line when he was interviewed by about taking over from, from johnny miller he said the europeans have the Ryder cup in their heart the americans have it in their head and that to me mm-hmm. defines that, you know what? exactly what goes on okay
1: there. and i couldn't agree i didn't hear that quote and i don't think you could i, I couldn't agree more with azinger by the way uh, someone who lobbied to be a uh, multiple rider Cup captain. He, before this went down with NBC, he wanted back in the, in the chair, and it, and it never happened. Uh, so the big question, guys, 17 and a half, 10 and a half, they get waxed. It's in their head. It's not in their heart. Where do they go from here? Now, we know physically they're going to Whistling Straits. Physically, they're going with Steve Stricker as their captain. <laughs> but where do they go? What do you know, they do, Bob?
2: You know where they go? They go to Australia and play the Presidents Cup <laughs> and, and dominate, and take, but and take that attitude into the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that, that,
1: thats two words though. That's Fred Couples. Yeah, that's right. That's two words for you, Fred Couples, who has still not had his turn as a as a US, <laughs> U.S. Ryder Cup captain.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know it's um it's it's crazy to think just on Amer- on away soil how they just play totally different and, and you know we'll see at whistling straights they're going to knock many rough the ferry is going to be so wide the pins are going to be right in the middle but that's part of the home course advantage right sure. yeah.
1: and i will yeah. say this i will say that was one of my favorite tweets by the way talking about that going down that path i remember the uh, at 8 p.m. our time, after the Ryder Cup was over, there's a, there's a tweet that went out, and it was a, I can't remember who, di- uh, uh, who sent it out, but it was a picture of guys just chopping down fescue, <laughs> and the title was, Already Cutting Down the Hay at Whistling Straits. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so good, right? But uh, I don't know what they do. They yeah. went to this pod system. I don't know how you put it in their heart, not in their head. I don't know how you get them to uh, embrace the moment. want their, I don't know how you do that. But what I do believe is this, and this is not a shot at Tiger Woods at all because – I'm so happy to see him come back and be where he is. And and it's it's not a shot of Phil Mickelson. No one's ever been a bigger Phil fan than I have. But the minute I think we flush out this guard, the minute we, we lose uh, Furick as captains and Stricker as captains and Woods and, and Mickelson as players, and, and get rid of the guys that have the hangover, there is, let me tell you this, it is not a coincidence that the best American on foreign soil this time around was Justin Thomas. Mm -hmm. It is not a coincidence that that guy is the guy that has really experienced nothing but team success at the President's Cup and has no hangover from crushing defeats and press conferences and mics shoved in his face about how horrible you were. It is not a coincidence that he was the guy that was hands down the best American. Tony Fino. Tony Fino. Two, thank no. you. Yeah. Thank Rookie. you. These are not coincidences.
3: Yeah. Even so, Jordan Spieth, my, uh, except for the same. Right. Webb Simpson. I points. hate to yeah. say
1: this, but if you really wanted to blow this thing up, if you really wanted to win this thing, God, this is going to sound awful and it's going to sound controversial. (laughs) But you would not have Tiger Woods. You would not have Phil Mickelson. You would not have Jim Furyk. You would not have Steve Stricker. You would not have Bubba Watson. You would not have anybody over the age of 35 that's been attached to this team in any way in the last 15 years, 20 years in Wisconsin. I would blow up the whole thing. I would say... Here's our captain. You can go old on the captain, even, like you did with the experiment with Tom Watson. You could go old because you find a 65-, 70-year-old man that is well-respected and loved in the American Jack game Nicholas. of golf. Jack Nicklaus.
3: John Daly. Could be Jack,
1: <laughs> it, could be a, it could be a ceremonial position, and I would have nothing but kids on that team with nothing but good, positive tastes in their mouth if I was the captain. If well, I would
3: do it, that's what I would do. Well, and you mentioned kids there, and and uh, TSN executive golf producer Jamie Riddle had the great comment uh, about Patrick Reed. If he doesn't qualify on points, how oh, yeah. on earth do you pick him? He's never going to get picked again, you even know, if he's number 11. Well, and but we've seen on the European side for years, there are a couple of guys who aren't well liked in the team room, but they park their egos at the door and they play as a team for whatever's the six or seven days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't really see that happening with Patrick Reed. Yeah, I agree. Bob, Crazy.
1: am I anywhere on pace here with moving the, the old guard? I know it's not going to happen. They're never uh, yeah, going to do it.
2: Yeah, it won't happen, but it does make a lot of sense. And I think I think you're right. I think your underlying argument is that, you know, this this kind of old boys club of Cabal of about four or six guys have been kind of trying to run this thing, and basically they've run it into the ground. So maybe it is. Maybe you do take a little more of a drastic step, and you try and do something. That's outside the box. Now, maybe that's what happened with Tom Watson in a way, mm-hmm. but um, whatever it is, got you got you to keep shuffling the deck because you haven't got the right hand And yet. I
1: am not a, like suggesting that Tom Watson was a good move or a bad move. I wasn't there. I don't know the room. But if you put Tom Watson in that room for the Ryder Cup and you take out Phil Mickelson and you take out Jim Furyk and you take out Steve Fierke, if you take it, and that room is Tom Watson and Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Field, like a bunch of 20-somethings, does that dynamic change between coach and player It'd be like if someone behind the NHL bench as a head coach, and the year before, he was your left winger, and mm-hmm. went in the corners, and couldn't dig out the puck anymore, and now he's your captain. This is different. This is like the head coach being mm-hmm. from generations you know, earlier in other know sports. Who,
2: you know who I would think would be the great captain? David Duvall. Oh, yeah. Common,
1: right? calm, cool, collected, right? Yeah,
2: calm, cool, collected, smart as a whip. A guy who can see a lot of things, understands the players because he's been there. I I would choose him in a minute. I like that, too, because
1: I like the fact that nothing's too big and nothing's too down. Like the highs and the lows, are. he's just like that level-headed guy, and maybe that's what this whole thing needs. You know what we haven't talked about, gentlemen? Maybe not a major to the rest of the world, (laughs) but certainly a major in this country. RBC Canadian Open going to a renovated Hamilton Golf Mm -hmm. Club next year. Let's take a look at our Canadian Open next as we preview our year in review special here. As we preview the Canadian Open and wrap up part two of our year in review specials right here on GTC.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and New Tour 360. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit muskokabayresort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks.
1: Welcome back to our year of New Review Special Part 2 as we wrap up part uh, don't forget, Golf Talk Canada Radio doesn't go away. We're with you year round. We're actually back for our live show, December 15th. It is our annual festivist special. In fact, during this entire year in review part two special, Scully has been lifting Weeksy. It's unbelievable. It's uh, and, and, and you know, and the thing about it is, is, you need three bobs to usually get to the weight. That uh, I'm like
2: the Festivus pole. I have a high
3: uh, strength to weight ratio. That's right. That's wow. what it is. is he's yeah. just
1: he's a strong buck twenty five. I'm he's I'm, I'm trained is. to
3: be a bouncer. You know, it's uh,
1: we're going to need it for Festivus. <laughs> There's
3: a thousand tickets sold and a thousand on the waiting list. So, Again, you know.
1: uh, thank you to Jeff our McDonald, program yeah. director Jeff McDonald for opening up the uh, floodgates on the on the expense account. We have got the stadium seating. Yep. We've got the security. We've got the truck. On festivist December 15th, airing of the Grievances, feats of Strength. We go live and we can't wait to get her done. Uh, golf Talk Canada Radio season nine returns with all brand new live shows February 2nd. We're not going anywhere. We got specials for you. We got year in review. We got equipment specials. We got tons for you to get through the winter if you still love golf. But February 2nd, it is our season nine debut. As we kick off Golf Talk Canada Radio for 2019 and Golf Talk Canada Television Season 5 returns the week of the Players' Championship with our Players' Championship Preview Special. we got to talk about this because I believe Bob will be on the ground at the Players' Championship and I will be on the ground in uh, Casa de Campo. Oh because uh, of a new sponsorship agreement with Constant Campbell. So we might have to do our preview show in-studio before we all head out. Wow, perfect. We might have to do it earlier before we sunshine. leave. Yeah. will be stuck back here. Yeah, you'll perfect. be stuck, but we might have to do this the <laughs> week before to get set for the season because I, I don't know how the technology on that one works. <laughs> yeah, we'll, well, We'll find we'll a way. We'll figure it There's out. There's always and, a way. Anyway, looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to staying with you throughout the season. Uh, guys, we haven't touched back on the Canadian Open. Now, I know this is our major special, but we're in Canada. RBC Canadian Open to Us, it is a major. And I'm I'm upset at how things are rolled out and transpired with the Glen Abbey story and, and kind of where that's ended up. But I'm also a capitalist and I understand uh, private ownership of land and understand that, uh, you know, if you want to do something with your land and you bought a piece of property under a certain guideline and you felt you bought it under those guidelines that, you you know, I don't want to change the rules on people as the game goes along. And it's their prerogative. If they want housing, they want tax dollars for Oakville, whatever it is, and they want to make the land more p- profitable. In my opinion, it's their prerogative. Even though it makes me so sad to see that golf course go. The good news is this: we get to see some great golf courses brought, maybe brought back into the fold a little bit more often. Starting with Hamilton, which, in my opinion, is you know top three golf course, top four golf course in the country. Hamilton Golf Club. I'm a huge fan of the National. I'm a hu- huge fan of Cabot. And I'm a huge fan of Hamilton, and there's been some changes. Now, unfortunately, we were all tra- traveling the day that uh, they invited us out to the Canadian Open Media Day. But from the pictures I saw, uh, boy, they've done some incredible changes, removed a bunch of trees, and they're going to be ready to host what will be a magnificent Open in 2019.
3: Yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, as as the one who was not traveling, thankfully, uh, and uh, did you end up? At I, I was there. I well, was you there. never told yeah, me yeah, that? Oh yes, yeah. he played. He was I, I, I played. up. He was great. He shot oh, the course record. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, 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 I'm hearing about this now. I, I played it. Uh, no, it was. It was. Um, it's going to be a great test, especially the week before a U.S. Open, because there are some great par fours there that you don't necessarily need driver, but there is a premium on hitting the fairway because the rough, even at this stage, playing in October, is still very thick. There are going to be some good. Uh, par threes as well, both downhill and uphill, uh, par seventy. So you know that sort of layout. I'm looking forward to seeing the test this is going to give the players because there are a variety of holes where yes, driver would be great, but you can also hit a long iron or a fairway wood uh, as well. And especially, I should say as well that the wind can also pick up there, so that presents another challenge for these guys.
2: It's it's uh, going to be an interesting test. It has as it has been in the past. It's not a long golf course, so there'll be it'll be narrow. It'll be a premium on. Accuracy and getting into under the right part of the greens. Um, I love hearing from the players, their feedback when they're they're excited about going there. I think I think they've uh, probably seen enough of Glen Abbey over the years. Mm-hmm. So some of the players, even uh, uh, Jim Furyk, who has won there before, he actually the two he's played, he won once and he missed the cut once, so he's seen both ends of it. Mm-hmm. But he was really excited about coming back to to Hamilton. So I think even just hearing that, and I've heard from other players, a couple of other players have asked me about the golf course. What it's like, players who haven't played there before. So I think there's some buzz out there on the PGA Tour. It may lead to a better, better field, but I think it's going to be a fun test. And if projections are correct, we might see Mississauga, we might see St. George's, mm-hmm. we might even see Toronto Golf. From what I'm hearing, so there's some how good would that be? possibilities that would be of some some of the real nice old courses. Coming into the fruition, we're going to start next year with uh, Hamilton.
1: And, and you know what's great about you know to recap what Bob just outlined with those other golf courses. If, uh, if Toronto golf's real, that's fantastic. That'd be Missis- Mississauga, St. George's is is if the PGA Tour allows Golf Canada to have some influence in course setup, and the PGA Tour learns from what the European Tour has done with the Scottish Open and Irish Open in anticipation for the Open Championship. What the tournament in Houston did successfully for so many years with a horrible spot on the schedule, that they, they turned that field into a decent field by trying to mimic the conditions the players would get at Augusta. No rough. Grain against the players around the green. Greens at 13, firm and fast. They did a wonderful job. If we can, and I'm not suggesting we go USGA insane, but if we can take those old classic golf courses that you guys are talking about, especially on years like in 2020 when they're off to wing foot on the Eastern Seaboard, the next week the U.S. Open, and give them some rough, and make it imperative to put the ball in the fairway, and, and, and try to create a bit of a warm-up, so to speak. And I'm not trying to dilute the importance of the RBC, but if you can create that environment they've done in Europe and they used to do at Houston— Wow, would that be awesome?
3: That would be unbelievable to see, and it'd be it'd be fun to see these guys under that test back to back weeks as well. And it would for the players be a benefit to go and have a similar golf course the week before, like they have they've had at Houston for so many years. So it'd be it'd be be a treat.
1: Bob, we both know Lawrence very well. Lawrence Applebaum, good guy. We're you know I think he's done a great job. Uh, We both know people at the PGA Tour. I, I think let's conquer and divide here. You speak to Lawrence. <laughs> I'll speak to the tour. You get Lawrence on side. I get the tour on side, and it's the week Zekino Open.
3: <laughs> well, that could be or the, like, or the uh, the, the, the week yeah, Open. Yeah, <laughs> the week the week Open, like yeah. Team Week Yes, It'll be, undefeated. Uh, and yeah. you know
1: what the, the only problem with the week Ceno Open is that when the tournament's over, i got to berate myself like a berate Mike Davis. That's the <laughs> <Yeah>. only problem. <laughs> <laughs> All great. right. Next week is our Year in Review Part 3, and it's my favorite of the series because we talk about predictions of what's going to happen in the upcoming year. We talk about disappointment of the year and player of the year and moments of the year and head-scratching moments of the year, including the Winner's Weird and What of 2018. Looking forward to Year in Review Part 3. That goes next week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. It always starts in the closet.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.ca.